Tina, I hate a storm, Hail Marys, I make it poor. Good, I ain't lying, you little giants, we been defying. Rice. What's the cost? Be the boss, breaking down the walls. We all lean, once the coin guitars. Got the kind of action, never acting. No need to scramble to get traction. We make it happen. From two fours to four threes. The founder of the Slapdick Podcast, Slapdick uh, Whiskey, Slapdick Cigars, and the author of uh, Hate Me Now, Love Me Later, ladies and gentlemen, Coach Jason Brown. Straight, no chaser, real raw and uncut. Coach, every time you come on, I laugh, I learn something, and then I fear that somebody's going to be incredibly pissed off with what you said. All around hustler. Make no mistake about it. I've done this a long time. Try to eliminate this soft society we have. There's legend. Hate me now, love me later, like my book says. This was presented by Slapdick Whiskey. Hey, Hell yeah. yeah Slapdick yeah. Whiskey's good, so are the Stogies. Some real talk, real good flavor on these things, and the burn is excellent. Beautiful burn. Okay. Sir, big whiskey, slap big cigars. Be true to yourself and see if, if if some shit changes for the for the worse or for the better. They asked me to do a podcast. I said let's call it the Slap Dick Podcast. It is the Menace Takeover Final Edition Curtain Call. Um, appreciate Coach JB for letting us jump on here. And I know he's uh, he's going to join us later in the show. So if you stay tuned towards the end of the video, JB will be up in here out on some golf course with Pat Perez, you know, probably drinking slapdick whiskey, probably smoking cigars, definitely playing shitty golf. Well, him, not Pat. Pat's probably balling like he does. But uh, excited to have him on and excited to be here one last time. But not last time. I'll be here every every Monday with JB on a Menace Monday. So we got a lot to talk about, man. I want to go down a trip down memory lane for those of you that don't follow the podcast or, or my show, or, or maybe you didn't listen early on. I want to tell some stories from behind the scenes in the recruiting world and, mm-hmm. and just kind of give you an insider's look into college football. And then uh, we're going to talk about the top 10 corners based on Madden's rankings and, and what we think about those corners and who's a little underrated, maybe a little overrated and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Chris has written for me. So Chris, how are you doing on this fine Thursday afternoon? I'm doing great on a thirsty Thursday. I'm uh, I'm I'm new to this world, so I'm all in on it. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing. Thirsty Thursday. You see, I got my empty bottles of slapdick whiskey back there. I can attest to it. I don't get paid to say that. I actually bought them. JB didn't even send them to me. So him and I need to have a conversation about that. But um, <laughs> they're they're delicious. So I encourage it. I haven't had the vodka yet, so I can't speak to it. But I know we got to get an ad read out of the way. So go ahead and roll that ad read. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. With training camp right around the corner, Bet Online has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. Head on over to the website, betonline.ag. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. He always gets me because he takes a pause, and I think it's done, and then I'm about to talk, and then he just bet online right at you. So go check <laughs> yeah. out Bet Online for JB. I know that's his uh, a great gambling option for you. But Chris, what what's going on, man? Man, not much, man. I pulled the uh, the Madden rankings, corner rankings. You as a former wide receivers coach, you were around a lot of the uh, around the corners a lot of the times. So obviously during one on one drills, and so you know the position pretty well. 
probably better than these interns at Madden.com or the EA office or whatever. Yeah. Um, I applied for a job at EA office. They they did not call me back. I'm still waiting. I was trying to get internship over there too, but you know, not holding my breath. But Zach, the top five corners according to Madden are Jalen Ramsey, Jair Alexander, Tredavious White, Darius Slay, Denzel Ward, and then Marshall Lattimore at six. We got the list popped up on screen right now. Zach, what is the issue with this list? Where'd they get it right? Where'd they get it wrong? Well, I, I think the, the one guy that's underrated there, and I know he's only a sophomore, year two guy, is A.J. Terrell. I think A.J. Terrell played outstanding last year. I mean, he, he of, of the starting quarters in the NFL, he led the NFL in yards per catch, in total yards allowed. He only allowed three touchdowns. He, did, he didn't have the sexy interception numbers like Trayvon Diggs did. And it's interesting because Trayvon Diggs isn't even, even on the list, mm-hmm. right? All the hoopla about how gr- dominant he is. And I get it. People love sexy shit. Right, they love interceptions. interceptions, but he's a risk taker. He let up over a thousand yards receiving, so I, I I don't think he should be on the list. But it's just I think it's criminal that AJ Terrell is that low. I know he played on the Falcons, and that's an automatic ding. But I think he's a guy that he should be more around five. I mean, he played extremely well last year. We'll see if he can back it up with another solid year. But that sophomore year was outstanding for him. And then the other one is Marshawn Lattimore and Denzel Ward. Obviously, two guys I know really well. Just as a player, I love both of them. I think they both are right around, you know, top five corners. I I, I just might have Marshawn above Denzel. Uh, maybe, you know, and Marshawn didn't play quite as well as Denzel, but I think he went against some better receivers. Mm-hmm. And just going against both of them, I think Marshawn's slightly a better player. I give the edge to Marshawn. Well, and Marshawn was on the field. Like Denzel yeah. Ward has, has has had a lot of the injury issues. Now you were uh, obviously at Ohio State when Marshall Lattimore was there. What were some of the great battles with him in terms of one on one stuff? Like like who who gave him problems and who did he, he absolutely her most times? Well, you know it's funny because we obviously had a run of first round corners. I mean, Garyon Conley, Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward, and Jeff Okuda. I mean, there was there was a slew of of NFL corners. And I used to talk to my guy, Bradley Roby was the first, mm-hmm. right? I, I used to Bradley. talk to my guys, like in the summer, they'd go out and do release drills, one-on-ones with against the corners. And Marshawn was, he didn't play the first two years because he was hurt. He had hamstring issues. And so I would talk to Michael Thomas. I'd be like, hey, how the corners look? He'd be like, man, they're they're legit. Like, I was like, who caused you the most problem? At, th- at this point, we're we're talking Denzel Ward, Garyon Conley, and Bradley Roby and those guys. And he's like, oh, Marshawn by far. I'm like, what? Marshawn? Like, Marshawn's never played. We don't really know much about Marshawn. We didn't even get mm-hmm. to watch him practice much, but he he would swear when Marshawn's healthy, he's the best corner out of all those kids. And I didn't see it until they finally, I mean, Ohio State went out and spent like $50,000 on all these different mechanics and, and analysis tools. Like they had these the, this tape, this X tape over his hamstrings in practice, and they could watch his hamstrings fire all practice. And the minute they started firing below a certain threshold, they would pull him out of practice. So he didn't pull a hamstring. Whoa. It was insane what they had to do to get him healthy. And when the Saints drafted him, they they flew in. Their athletic training staff flew in and met with our athletic training staff. And they bought everything Ohio State had. Because they're like, this kid is a Pro Bowl corner if we can keep him healthy. And so they did. And so one, not until I saw Marshawn did I know that, I I mean, he was the best of the bunch. And I, I he, he just is. He's mm-hmm. He plays corner with such an attitude, like he's a dog, you know what I mean? Like he's, he, he's just vicious. And you've seen it on some of the, you know, clips with him and Mike Evans getting into it. Like he doesn't back down from anyone and he's, he's a stud. And I believe what was that 2016 when we started the year, I thought for sure that Gary on Conley, not Marshawn Lattimore would be the best corner. And that quickly changed. 
Like Marshawn blanketed ones like the entire year. It was it was ridiculous. And and to be able, he could gear up without any notice, and that's what really surprised me with Marshawn. Just an it's funny because when when he was first coming out of Glenville, I mean he was one of my top receivers on my board. And I wanted him to play receiver, and he 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 got the pick. Basically, he was like, "Hey, what do you? We want you at both positions. You're top on our board at corner. One of our top receivers. Like, what do you want to play?" And he picked corner. And I I to this day, anytime I see him, I'm like, "You son of a bitch, like, <laughs> killing me, man! I want a first round receiver from Ohio. Can I get that?" <laughs> Said no, nope, not a lot. Well, you saw it on some interception returns at Ohio State, and in the NFL, he's done a good job of being a playmaker when he does have the opportunity with the ball in his hands. Now I I I read off the list of like these top corners. Zach, next year, what corner you think is going to have a huge leap in the NFL? Uh, The guy I think uh, that that is going to become a top ten corner is Pat Sertain. I mean, I recruited Pat Pat out of American Heritage High School. It was us in Alabama. We obviously lost Alabama. Um, I will I will be be you know conceited and selfish and say the reason why is because our corners coach left right before signing day. That's my excuse, at least. Call it what it is. But, I mean, I, he's been an NFL corner since he was in high school. And his dad was an NFL corner. His dad coached him in high school. Like, that kid came into college ready for the NFL. Like, 6'2", 200 pounds, just looked like an NFL player when he was 17. So, and, and the year he had last year, I think he's going to be a stud. Is corner the hardest position to play on defense, Zach? Yeah, probably. I mean, with, with, especially in the NFL, I mean, other levels, maybe not, but in the NFL, it's such a pass happy league. There's so many dynamic receivers and these quarterbacks are ridiculous with accuracy and timing. It's really hard to cover guys. It just is. Mm -hmm. And that's why every corner on the list, like they've been burnt, like they all will be like when you're going against Aaron Rodgers, like he is going to put the ball where you can't get it. And you just have to capitalize when he makes just the slightest mistake. So yeah, I think it's the hardest position on defense to play out. I mean, that being said, it's also not that that grueling, right? Like, go play deep tackle. Yeah, it's not. Go it's get double-teamed every play by a garden center. That's awful. Like, there's people that wake up every day and say, guess what? I'm going to have 600 pounds of man smashing me in the face every single snap. Like, that sounds awful. So that's that's harder for me to envision doing. But corner's the, the toughest skill-wise position mm-hmm. on defense for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And corners, especially like with, with the way quarterbacks now run around back there and just throw bombs and like the improvising world makes things a lot, lot tougher. Um, Zach, I do want to move ahead a little bit to all the uh, the Coach JB listeners, the, all the slapdick listeners out there that have not heard about your behind the Ohio State. Now, you're at Ohio State with a guy named uh, Tom Herman, who went on to be a head coach at a couple of different places. And yeah. you guys coached very, very closely. Um, now you have some Tom Herman stories and some recruiting stories in general um, that that I think well, that people should hear. Yeah, so it was just you know recruiting, recruiting. I, I was at Florida as a GA, so I didn't go on the road recruiting. And then my first two jobs were Temple and Marshall, and it was very different than when you got to Ohio State. Obviously, right? Mm-hmm. You're on the road, you're really grinding, hitting 12, 15 schools a day, trying to find diamonds in the rough. That's what you're doing. When you're at Ohio State, you're going to maybe six to eight schools a day. And you're recruiting the best players in the country. You don't, I mean, it's not hard to find them, right? They're everywhere and everyone's recruiting them. So there's there's hubs, right? LA is a hub, like in Southern California. Dallas is a hub. Fort Lauderdale, Miami is a hub. Where when you go down there and recruit, there's 200 other coaches down there. So you can imagine what that becomes, right? You got some high profile people, college football coaches that make a shitload of money that are basically in these beautiful places like Scottsdale, Arizona, LA, Dallas, Miami. 
you get all them together and they get done working at 7 p.m. You can imagine what the rest of the night entails, right? Everyone's going to go out for drinks, network, meet each other, and get after it. I used to tell people, it's like, it literally is like grown, grown up spring break. With like you're away from your families, you're away from every, your job. You're once you're done with the work day, it's like, what else am I going to do? So you go out and with drinks and Dallas, Texas is just totally different than anywhere else. I recruited South Florida for five years. South Florida is a great place to recruit, but I didn't experience anything like Dallas. In Dallas, there was like a ring of coaches that Tom was a part of. And I went to recruit a couple of receivers with him. So I, I got, I hung out with them like on the inside. It was almost like mafiosa. Like they would go out every night, the same collection of 10 coaches and they would go strip clubs, you know, to bars, everywhere, all over Dallas. What I didn't realize was they also had this setup. They had this guy that was a DFO for one of them at like Oklahoma or somewhere at one point. And this guy went to college with this girl who was, became a flight attendant. So she was a single flight attendant, had all these single flight attendant friends. And he used to talk to his, his buddy coaches that were going to Dallas, find out when, tell this flight attendant, she would fly in with all her flight attendant friends. And it was like a full on sex ring orgy. Like all these coaches are banging all these flight attendants in Dallas. I mean, I mean, strip clubs with the flight attendants, massage parlors with Asians, stroke and dick. I mean, all kinds of shit. And I'm sitting here like eyes wide open, like, what the fuck is this? Like, like you were in in at that point. I've never and and I've I've told the story before. Unfortunately, I had family, not unfortunately, but I had family in Dallas. So I ended up stepping out to see my cousins and my aunt. <laughs> for like an hour. And when I came back, everyone was up in their rooms with these flight attendants. And I was just sitting at the bar, having a beer by myself. So I, I got locked out of the orgy, I guess, but it was nuts. Like just never, I knew coaches, you know, high profile people with money that travel, right. You knew that they, a lot of them would be unfaithful. They'd pick up girls, whatever. I never envisioned in my wildest dreams that they would have something so organized as a calculated sex ring with flight attendants from Southwest that all flew in and just, it was like, okay, bunch of high profile coaches. They're going to pay for all of our drinks. Let's go. How did these 10 coaches get to the realization that this is what they want? Like, how do you sit down and, and, and just like, how do you sit down and say, I want to have sex with a bunch of hot. I'm saying like as, as a ring, like to, to get it organized like that, wouldn't yeah, you be kind of like nervous to have that conversation? I, I mean, it, it developed over time, right? Mm -hmm. Initially, it was just like, oh, I got a friend's flight attendant. She she's based out of Dallas. And then they hung out, had some drinks, and then all of a sudden stuff started popping. And then she's like, hey, you need to let me know when they're in town. And so he did. She brought a couple more friends, and it blossomed into this, this massive insider's club, almost like a speakeasy where you have to knock on the door and say a password, and you get in to some flight attendant pussy. I don't – it's just – it was wild. Is this why – is this why Tom Herman wanted to recruit the state of Texas so hard? Is this why he went to Houston? <laughs> it's not why he had ties in Texas. He recruited Texas for a long time. He was at Sam Houston state. And uh, so he, he knew Texas. That's where he had roots and that's how he got in the sex ring. <laughs> well, more, more power to him. Do you think Tom Herman will ever, will ever get a head coaching job again? You know, he could. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just, I think his lack of success at Texas mixed with, you know, the debauchery that he's a part of, it'd be hard to do, but you never know. Was, wasn't he, didn't an NFL team kind of inquire about him? Not as a head coach. I mean, he works no, for not the as Bears. A head coach. Okay, for the oh, he works for the Bears. He, yeah, he's like an off the field quality control, whatever analyst, whatever you want to call him for the Bears. At least he was last I heard. I don't really follow him that much gotcha. anymore. We'll, we'll get him away from Justin Fields, as far as I'm concerned. 
I, uh, I, I don't want it. Um, Zach, I do want to, I have, we had this video queued up about, uh, about what Dabo Sweeney. Yeah. Dabo, Dabo. He, so we, we might, let's play it and talk about it. And then I want, I want JB to hear it because not only does he use the word slap dick, but he kind of shits on Juco players. And I was like, <laughs> damn, that's fucked up. He used JB's word and then shit on Juco's. What the fuck is that? So go ahead let's roll that Dabo clip and let's listen to old Dabo Sweeney talk. And you mentioned him. I mean, this is a, this dude's a freak, yeah. you know, and, and people talk about him like he's some slap dick from East Aboga, <laughs> right. you know, community college. And, and this guy can play the game at the highest level. He's going to play the game at the highest level. And he wasn't great last year. You know, he was awesome as a freshman. Yeah. He was awesome his whole career in high school. He's a winner. He's got all the tools, all the intangibles. He, but he is better because of what he what went happened? through. He has he's had a lot of challenges. And then all of a sudden we got three different centers. We got six OL. One's a true freshman, true freshman running back. We have to end up starting true fre- all of our receivers are out. Mm-hmm. Well, now he tries to do too much. Mm-hmm. He loses his confidence. First time in his life, life he's had to deal with some criticism. This guy ain't ever been criticized. Yeah. He's been the he's been the goat his life. And now all of a sudden he's you know, he's got milk bone underwear on and they're they're chomping at him yeah. everywhere he goes. Oh, JB I is did. in the building. JB, <laughs> my man Dabo. I, I saw that shit. Just we just got the course. I saw that shit, man. I was like, let me call it perfect timing. Hey, this man says slap dick, and then talk about he ain't some slap dick from a JUCO. Like, what the fuck <laughs> is that? Hey, he don't even cuss. What's going on with this? Has he been watching the show or what? That's yeah, he's taking shots at you. Those are digs at you. There's Those no way this man talks about a, a junior a junior college player used the word slap dick and he doesn't watch the show. No way. I, I, I grew up with his whole family, man. He better be careful. I'll, I'll, I'll have that motherfucker in the portal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, it's just funny because he, he's trying to, I guess, champion his guy, DJ Orangalele. And the kid is super talented. You know that, JB, being out in Cali and knowing knowing that family. But he didn't play well last year. So I don't know why we're sitting here championing him. Like, he's he's some great player. Man, he had, you know, the thing is, he play, he backed up Trevor as a freshman, came in that Notre Dame game, threw for 400 yards or whatever. And he didn't have no pressure. I tell people all the time. And he balled again later on in the year. But then when he got his own season as the guy, it's a different ball game than being the backup with no pressure, no heat. So that very different, you know, he's, he's, he, he, he crumbled last year, man, under the pressure, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm rooting for the kid. Cutting out a little bit JB, but um, yeah, I'm rooting for the kid too. He struggled. I mean, mm-hmm. and you know what? Here's the reality. That kid's super talented. I mean, he is a talented-ass player. And I've said it from day one. I'll say it again. Clemson can't develop shit. They can't. They have a quarterback coach that's never developed anyone. He was a, he was a quality control. He's never coached anyone. He he woke up at Clemson as, as a quality control guy, got moved up into the quarterback coach's position, and he coached Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> he coached, he's coached generational talented guys. Trevor Lawrence got worse at Clemson. Every year. Every year. DJ Uyengalele has never been taught properly how mm-hmm. to be a big-time college football quarterback. He just hasn't. And that's why he literally is last in the of, of starting quarterbacks returning next year. He's last in the country when it comes to adjusted completion percentage, quarterback offensive grades. I mean, through nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions, like more picks than TDs. Mm-hmm. It's just – it's an absurdity to sit here and be like, this guy's 
I'm Mar- he's really, really good. It's like, yeah, no, the words are Dabo. He's really, really talented. He ain't really fucking good. You haven't made him good. You can't coach at all right now. And it's showing his ass is, is showing. He has all the tools. He could, I think if he is at USC, Ohio state, Alabama, I think he's a, a, a no doubt great player, but he's at Clemson. Not getting coached, not getting developed. A kid that talented with that big of an arm with a quote-unquote down-the-field skill set, Zach, and his completion percentage is still that bad, you would think, okay, he's throwing a lot of deep shots. But, Zach, you know over 20% of his pass attempts are screens. Like, you you, wrote, you jotted that yeah. down. So so that kid is super, super talented, but Clemson continues to show that they hurt quarterbacks. Yeah, like that. That was the number one quarterback in the country, Zach, by some by some services. Like ahead of ahead of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Now I know rankings are anything, but if 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 a five star top five player in the country goes somewhere and you've seen the tools and he's played high school football at a high high level and he comes in against Notre Dame and throws for four seventy four more than Trevor Lawrence ever threw, and then just gets worse every single game after. Every game. When is it time for him to look in the mirror? Because he was like, oh, the kid dealt with some adversity and struggled last year. It's like, holy fuck, Dabo. Like, your coaches hurt this kid. Like, your coaches have not put this kid in a position to win. And it's like, you want to blame it on the centers. You want to blame it on every, all the players, everybody else, except for the guy. That it's, it's his responsibility to make sure the quarterback gets better every single year. It's a problem. Yeah, it is a problem. It is a problem. And, and you just look at – I think the biggest thing, that when, I, when I watch DJ play – Against great defenses, he played awful. And that that comes back to coaching. I mean, when you go against Pat Narduzzi's defense, like that's a well-thought-out, well-schemed defense. And this some bitch was awful. Completed 40-some percent of his passes, two, two interceptions, no touchdowns. That's not on that kid. He's got all the skills. That's on Dabo's bitch ass. <laughs> I think Dabo's really hurting his development. Yeah, he is, for sure. No one's talking about the kid like he's a slap dick. They're talking about the, the, the coach that's a slap dick, to be honest. That's where I'm at. I, I haven't heard anybody say anything real bad about the kid. Just that he needs to develop better because because his mechanics are super poor. I think he's, he's, he's – yeah. yeah, he does. <laughs> and he, he just needs – and you know what? He needs – if it's not better this year, he's got to get in the portal. He's got to go get coached. Mm-hmm. JB, you, the sales service in Arizona sucks, man. <laughs> hey, we're up here, man. Well, you know, when you're rolling with the big dogs, dog, you're you're in areas where, where they don't fucking have five. We're up in the, we're up in the hills. Yeah. We don't want to be fucking bothered. Hey, we don't want to be fucking bothered. But we're in the hills. <laughs> we look down on every fucking body else. <laughs> hey, all I know is JB sent me a video he set up last night, and that shit was big time. So shout out Pat Perez, man. That 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 spread, the chair's got his name on it, the view. What? Hey, you know, That's listen, big time. You know, listen. You hear me? No, you're cutting out. Can you hear him? What'd he say? Hey, all right, he's, uh, listen to what he said. Hey, you know who lives below me? Who? Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. I fucking love it. Oh, yeah, you I love it. Shit. Yeah, I love everybody. It, everybody lives below him. I love it. Hey, I I, I met when I was at Marshall. When I was at Marshall, there was a big time coal coal money guy. I mean, had billions, and he bought a mountain and cut the top off and put his house up there for that exact reason. He said, "No, no, no. I want everyone living below me." <laughs> That's some Tony Stark shit. Oh my goodness, Fuck, it was nuts. Bought a mountain and cut the top off. Dang, big how, money. How can we get that rich? Hey. 
You can have the whole sex ring up there. We gotta go to a hotel. Just fly him out there. Right. Hey, you gotta be different, brother. It's easy being average. Oh yeah. You got you gotta you gotta break the mold. You gotta do something different. Man, do I have two fucking coaches in here trying to coach me? I'm literally just the intern. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. So JB, what's on what's on the agenda for the evening? I think we lost JB again. <laughs> yeah, we lost him. We, we, it, ain't, it ain't gonna happen. It's all right. He needs to enjoy nah. that Arizona Arizona getaway. Facts, big facts. Well, we got a super chat there for you, JB. Random thought: Wouldn't Fresno State be a decent decent pickup for the Pac-12 if they keep getting cherry picked? They're not great, but not terrible. Listen, the Pac-12 has got to do something. Mm-hmm. I definitely think Fresno State's a good option because at this point, you lose USC, UCLA, the Big 12 and Pac-12 kind of stopped, ended discussions about merging. I mean, the Pac-12 should be looking for all lifelines. Yeah, yeah. Fres- Fresno State is definitely an option. Third time's the charm. Hey, 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 I just wanted to let you know, man, I appreciate you doing this week. I wanted everybody to know in the show, man, that Zach's got some family things going on tomorrow, so he's going to bounce out of here early, so – uh, family comes first, man. Fuck all the dumb shit. So I appreciate you coming in, Zach, and letting everybody know. So I'll be back Monday. I'll be back Monday, and then Zach will be with me on on uh, no a minutes Monday. So me and Zach will be together on Monday. So uh, and, and we're in the talks of doing some other things, man. So we're going to grow the channel. Keep going over to Zach's channel and help these two brothers out there doing a hell of a job on their show. And uh, I appreciate you filling in, you guys, this week, man. You guys are killing it. So I appreciate you. Oh, yeah, um, man. Anytime. Nah, I appreciate it, man. So uh, I'm going to go here, man, and fuck, we're going to go get in the fucking pool. And uh, hey, man, I haven't been out the house in fucking eight months. So I had to get away, man, and, and uh, doing some things. So, you know, got to see what's going on. Pat gave me a set of his golf clubs today, man, and it changed my game probably by about 20 fucking strokes. And I was still <laughs> fucking. Still playing that fucking pinnacle, though. <laughs> <laughs> pinnacle ball. I fucking. Can't even buy on the market. <laughs> hey, he's giving me shit. You can't even fucking buy anywhere, and I'm still shitty. So, <laughs> hey, it is what it is. But don't ever play with a pro, though, man. I'll tell you right now, do not fucking play with a pro, pro golfer. That's like, uh, you know, that's like fucking, you know, one of the guys in the chat coming out to practice with us and fucking doing Oklahoma drill. Yeah, no. I'm telling you, no. If I'm hanging out with a pro golfer, we're going to play basketball. Some other shit. <laughs> yeah. Let me go body this motherfucker up. I got to get this yeah. motherfucker in the pool or some shit I can fucking stand equal ground. Right. Just, hey, you know, what we did? you know what we've done every night? You know what we do every night? We fucking smoke meat and drink and smoke cigars. And you know what he calls that? That's fucking prep for him coming out here shooting 10 under today. <laughs> so that's hey, what it is. That's, that's, that's his pregame meal. Huh? I said that's his pregame meal. Yeah, it's team. Yeah, fuck it yeah. is. That's what he does. We cooked it. You know what he did last night? He smoked six full chickens. Motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> like Pedro you. Serrano from Major League. Hey, I need Zach, a live chicken. I can't hear you, bro. Yeah, you're cutting out. I can't hear you. I got you now, I think. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys. I got you. Hey, I'll hit you guys later on. I appreciate you. Appreciate All right, cool. Appreciate right, you, JB. Thanks, Coach. Oh, JB, JB is in it. 
the service was so crystal clear there for a sec, Zach. Like it was, it was perfect. Like they were on Wi-Fi for a sec. I, I thought they, I thought they might have got home. They were at Pat's house, yeah. got Wi-Fi. But he's out there living, man. Let him live. He sent me a video. They smoked a bunch of meat, smoking cigars. I'm telling you, this this shit was crazy. I mean, they got mm -hmm. the the patio furniture was like looked like these comfy ass like outdoor recliners, and all of them said Perez stitched into the <laughs> into the chair. And I'm like, Phew. and then they got like an infinity pool with the mountains behind it. Like, boy, that's that fuck you money. <laughs> that's that that's that live money. That sounds like we need an invite next time money is what it sounds yeah, I'm like. I'm you. That, that's a I'm, fact. I ain't playing I'm, golf with Pat, though. Fuck that. No, me either. We could just stay We could just stay at the crib at the infinity pool. I don't golf anyway, Zach. So what's your ideal vacation, though, Zach? You you have any spots you want to hit? Or are you, you kind of yeah, like Columbus? I like going to I, I like tropical. I, I want to go to an island. Like, I love South Florida, but if I'm going somewhere, I'm going to an island. I'm going to the Caribbean or somewhere. somewhere. All right. So you're yeah. on an island. You're wherever. What's your drink of choice as you sit out by the beach? Ooh, I don't know. I don't, that's, that's a good question. I mean, it's a thirsty Thursday question, my guy. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm gonna drink some slap dick vodka and soda for Respect. sure. I mean, vodka right. soda is such a good drink because it's light, it's crisp, like it's refreshing. It mm -hmm. gets a job done. Like I can't, I can't be on a beach drinking some bourbon or or drinking beer, feeling fat. Like I need something, something light and crisp. So give me, give me some vodka soda, some of that slap dick vodka with a little lemon. And and I'll have I'll have a good old time. I could do tequila too. I like tequila. Respect. Let us know in the chat what what what's your drink of choice if you're out on the beach on a vacation. I like yeah, green that's tea a good shots, question, man. What are you drinking on a on a beach in the Caribbean? Mm -hmm. That's what I want to know. What's your drink of choice? Yeah, because because it's different. Because like when I go out to bars around here, well, Zach put me on a no drinking policy ever since I went live and was talking crazy. So I'm sober right Wait, now. You gotta hear this story. So so our our show like hit new heights, right? I added Chris to it. And he was feeling himself, and he went out to celebrate. And this man went live on Instagram, and I recorded it. And he's out there spitting game to chicks at the bar, talking about, yeah, this is my boy. Uh, he, he's on my podcast. And he said, he said, Urban Meyer is on it. He Urban Meyer works for us. He's telling people Urban Meyer works for us, like him. And guess what? It worked. <laughs> the game worked. They're not pretty bright over here, but that was so. So ever since then, I've been off the. I've been. I've been away from alcohol. But when I go to a beer, like I'll go get cider, sometimes Jameson. But like on the beach, it's like it's way different. Pina coladas, margaritas, oh God, that sugary girl drink. I got you. Damn. Okay. I'm telling HR. I, I I saw in the chat. I could definitely do Corona. Corona is the beach beer. Like if I'm a drink mm. beer, it's got to be Corona with a lime. I gotta feel. I gotta feel tropical for sure. For sure. But anyway, we, we got to get to an ad read. My favorite one, get your dick hard with Blue Chew. Let's roll that ad read so we can get that done. Proud sponsor of the Hate Me Now, Love Me Later podcast is Blue Chew. Head on over to bluechew.com. Being intimate with your partner should be the best part of your day. When you get to have it, don't let whatever happened during your day get in your head and ruin the fun. The chewables from bluechew.com can make your day a better one it'll make sure you're able to perform at your best when you get the opportunity to have fun every man wants a winning team front row seats to the big game and a partner to heat things up in the bedroom blue chew can help with the last one make sure you head on over don't be a slapdick get you some blue chew use it today you don't want to be laughed at in the bed gentlemen and your ladies don't want to go chase somebody else down because you can't get it up. Head on over to Bluetooth.com. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, and tell them that I sent you. 
Get you $5 off shipping using the promo code BELIEVE. And you can receive your first month free. Bluetooth.com. Tell them I sent you. Peace. There you have it. Now look at that. Now you can gamble. You can fuck. Like, JB's got his fans set up, man. And you can drink. And he's got the alcohol for you. He's got alcohol, cigars. I mean, this man, all he needs to do is open a strip club, and he's got it all covered. He is Sin City (laughs) himself. Sin City. Slab Dick City, Tequila Paloma. Oh. That sounds good. I could, I could, I could get behind that. Oh, Zach, I did have a question here from our guy Chris Reeves. Zach, alive or dead? If you had an NFL All Star team, who would be your quarterback? I mean, Tom Brady. It's got to be Tom Brady, right? That's no fun. That's that's fucking lame. All right, fuck oh. it. I'm going Mike Vick. Okay, that was my answer. Hey, so fuck hey yeah. let me let me call the plays though, because mm-hmm. we're getting we're getting spicy with it. I mean, we're we are running all kinds of athletic shit. I mean, he is going to dice up the NFL, change the fucking world, as like he did. But we're going to mm-hmm. do it on another level. Yeah, it's like it's like if you're picking a quarterback for Madden, absolutely going Mike Vick. Like, oh yeah, because that, that's how I build teams, all star teams on. Like you know how good would how good would Mike Vick have been if he didn't get that all that bullshit with the dog fighting? Mm-hmm. Like that shit is so common when a kid makes it, especially when he's from the hood. Like uh, that you you got money, you got a house, you got a house back home. Your friend, your cousins live there, whoever lives there, and they got some dog fighting going on. You've been around that your whole life. And I don't condone it. I love dogs. I think dog fighting is fucking awful. But Thanks. throw that man in prison for that? Like, come on, man. Just it's just crazy. So derailed his career. Yeah, and I, and I'm from Atlanta, so I love Mike Vick a lot. That 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 was really that was a, a shitty situation. Zach, my my current co-host, she she thinks she told me early on that she thinks Mike Vick should be uh, locked up for life for that. She said, give him life in prison. She said, we tried to get him life in prison. I said, who was we? Who who, who, who was we? <laughs> she's the feds <laughs> immediately i was like oh my we tried to get him life in prison all right zach i want to circle back to dj we're talking about dj a little bit so he just had a really bad year. obviously he had a yeah. rough year um he, you know i think it's primarily the coach's fault but that kid's gonna have to get on the out, out on that field and prove it to himself how often did you have to kind of pump up a kid's ego to make sure their psyche was right going into the year or is that just a, kind of a quarterback thing because that well, kid doesn't think he can play like that that's worse than if he actually can't play but listen it, it, this comes down to the chemistry between him and his coach right does did he put in the ridiculous amounts of work it takes to become a great college football quarterback i would guess no i bet he did everything his coach asked him to do but i think his coaches are fucking him i, I don't think they've put together a decent plan to develop him he should be spending endless hours working, working out, working with receivers, studying film, learning the game. I mean, he has a chance. You have that kind of gift. You don't piss that away. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's doing. So you get that ultimate confidence from the work you put in and how, how well you know what's going on. And you play with confidence because of it, because you know you've been developed by a competent coach. When that's off, the kid's off. When he goes out and plays, he looks like someone that's like, damn, I, I'm not prepared. I'm not a prepared player. My coach didn't prepare me for all of this. That's what he looks like. And you know what? He's fucking right. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. He's He was not prepared for the games last season. He was not prepared to be a starting quarterback at Clemson last season. We'll see if he is this year. I hope they made some changes because whatever they did last year, throw that shit in the garbage and, and start from <laughs> square one. Throw the whole beat away. Okay, season ends. He looks a little better, doesn't take any major strides. Bryce Young declares for the uh, NFL draft. Bama jobs open. Bama oh, quarterback Bama. jobs open. Maybe Bama. you need a one-year fill gap. Yeah, you Bama called lo- DJ. 
Bama loves to go to the portal. Not for a quarterback usually, but they love to go to the portal to, to put a Band-Aid on it. Sam, if you're DJ, do you go? Would you go if you're DJ to Bama? You're going to get yeah, drilled I, I, into to put the work in. I mean, I'm going anywhere. I'm going to Bama. I'm going to USC, Texas, or Ohio State. Ohio State. Fact. Those, those are the four schools I'm going to. Oh, internet game or in trust games. Right, I can't read. Um, Zach, did you have any experience with Terrell Pryor? If so, do you think he could have made it as a true QB if the off the field stuff never happened? Uh, no, I don't think I don't think he was ever a, a, a real quarterback. I think he was such a great athlete that and he could, and he could throw it. I mean, he had a good mm-hmm. arm that he got away with stuff in college. But I thought I think he was just a big athlete that probably needed to play tight end or receiver from the jump. Um, he, you. When I got to Ohio State, obviously we we got to Ohio State because of Terrell Pryor and the other players that were that were selling their jerseys and shit for tattoos. Uh, but the sad part is that they were doing what now is allowed in NIL mm-hmm. to an extent. I mean, not really. You can't sell that stuff still, but you they were making money, right? They were trying to make some extra money because they were players at Ohio State. That's legal now. But when I got to Ohio State, I mean, that motherfucker, he still is banned for life. Can't go to the Woody. Can't go on campus. Can't go like he can't be. Can't go back. Damn, still ban- I guess I didn't realize he was still banned for life. I know we don't put him in any of our graphics, which is crazy because, like, you know, he had that thousand yard year with the Browns, Zach. Like, yeah. balling. Yeah, I think he could have been an NFL receiver, you know, a better NFL receiver if he played it from the jump. And I, you know, he was just so such a gifted athlete that that any college in the country was going to let him play quarterback if he wanted to. Reminds me of Denard Robinson or even Tim Tebow. You know, and Tim had a great college career, but. Imagine Tim Tebow goes in and becomes a tight end at 18. He'd mm. probably still playing in the NFL. Was Tim Tebow the most competitive player that you'd ever been around? Oh, ever. Ever. Not even close. What's your top three most competitive? Uh, Tebow, one. Probably JT Barrett, two. Uh, or John Simon. John Simon John Simon and Tebow are up there. They're, they were just different. And JT, JT's probably three. You got a top three crazy players as well? Crazy players? Yeah, Percy one. Oh, like, like, like insane. Yeah. Uh, Percy's definitely one. Um, Riley Cooper's two. And then uh, think of an Ohio State guy that just had a screw loose. Uh, I don't know. Oh, Der- I'll tell you, Derek Harvey, the DN from Florida, for sure. So all three Florida, which is about, that's about right. <laughs> That's about that's on brand. Um, so our guy Ryan Barnes in the chat, he works at LSU, Zach. He wants to know when they call you and ask for a job, you're gonna take one. That's one of the jobs that I said you could take, and no one would even bat an eye. Oh, down in the bayou, they don't give a shit. Nah. We just want Odell and Jarvis again. Can you make it happen? Like, yes, I can. All right, cool. We don't give a fuck what else you did. That's all we want. Um, you- I don't know. It'd be tough. It'd be a tough sell to move away from my kids to move to Louisiana, but Joe Burrow made me a Tiger fan, so I, I would definitely consider it. If you went to LSU, how many uh, LSU receivers would leave the state of Louisiana? Not, not any that I wanted. No chance. <laughs> uh, I'm 100% here for it. Um, Zach, I want to I want to kind of circle back to your coaching career. Um, did, could you feel moments of growth? Like, did you ever look back when, like, Urban would, like, rip you apart or Urban would just be an absolute dick? And then when you guys won the title, would you think, wow, this was all worth it? Or was it kind of just you knew where you were going to get to regardless of Urban Meyer or not? No, I mean, when when Urban was hard on coaches, and he was extremely hard on coaches, I mean, it was it always made you better. And so after it took me a minute 
because my position group was so bad when I, when I landed in Columbus, it was just awful. The position group was awful. And so it was relentless abuse, verbal and psychological abuse for really two years until after the 2013 season, like my guys started playing a little bit better in 2014, they, they killed it. And that's when it, it eased up a little bit. And I can respect why he was the way he was, but it was still a bitch move. Because he had he had as much of a hand in my position and our offense as anyone, and we took over a fucking train wreck. So it, it was what it was. Um, I, I I didn't mind it after that because I knew why he was doing things he was doing, and I controlled my own destiny. Right by 2014, that room was mine. It was the kids I brought in, the kids I coached, the kids I developed. So if we didn't succeed, that was on me. In 2012, I'm trying to develop and coach kids that I didn't bring to Ohio State. And there were some great players. Don't get me wrong. Philly Brown, Devin Smith, Evan Spencer, like some really good players. But to sit there and just berate me day in, day out, sun up to sun down, because the receivers aren't very good. It's like, time out, motherfucker. Who recruited this room for the last four years? <laughs> like, these kids are freshmen. They're not supposed to play yet. I'm not supposed to be evaluated on my freshmen. I'm supposed to be evaluated on my, my juniors that are ballers, but they're not there. All right, Coach, I'm going to envision an alternate universe where Brett McMurphy did not exist, and by now you're at least an offensive coordinator. What What is the offensive identity of your team? Like, what past, what are you valuing? What does the Zach Smith offense look like? I mean, we would have thrown the ball quite a bit, but but I, I've, I've said it before, I'm a huge run game guy. Like, I love the offensive line play. So we would have we would have been a spread offense with a lot of RPOs. We'd run the shit out of the ball. We'd have gap schemes, man sweeps, zone schemes, and we would, we would try to package everything with a way to get the ball with athlete in space, right? We're going to try to have a dominant run game, and if and if you give it to us, we'll, get, we'll keep taking it. But the minute you want to load the box, we're, we're going to make you pay with RPOs. And we did it. Shit, we did it in sixth grade football. We ran RPOs in sixth grade football. So you, it, it would have been fun. And, I, you know, I, I don't know how, how my journey would have went with Ryan. I, I learned a ton from Ryan Day in the year that I was with him. And I'm sure that would have continued. I would have run a shitload of routes to help receivers get open. Mesh routes, pick routes, all kinds of shit. Because man coverage is hard to beat. And you could be a great player, and if you go 60% against man, that's phenomenal. Well, that's not a great – that's not great when it's great. your dude. You want to try to win 80%, 90%. So you need some ways to help the receivers. And that's what Urban didn't believe in. He believed in, oh, recruit better. If that kid can't get open, recruit better. And it's like, Coach, he gets open three out of four times, but the one time he doesn't, you freak out. We need to help these receivers out. So I would have done a, a lot of that too. Personnel, any, any personnel package you would absolutely go to a lot, you know, for the football nerds out there. Or just see, just, I, I believe in hybrid players, right? Like Ohio State has G Scott, those players, like you know, um, those those tight ends that are like great Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez was a prime Aaron example. Hernandez, and then um, Demarius Thomas, not Demarius Thomas. What's the, the tight end at Vegas? Jesus, I can't. Oh, Darren Waller. Darren Waller. Same school, guys like same that. School. Mm -hmm. Where yeah, you where where I could have been an eleven personnel with a tight end on the ball, and I could spread them out, and we're in double zero, right? You have a running back that like Christian McCaffrey, a, a tight end like him where you could be a multiple personnel sets and the defense has to has to stop everything, right? They have to stop tight end run game with a real running back like Debo Samuel. But then at the same time, you can move motion those guys out or shift those guys out and be in empty. And you have five dominant, like great receivers in the game. So I believe in multiplicity. That's, that's what I love. Oh, shout out to our guy, our, our guy Brady here since 20 live viewers. Long time. That's a warrior. He's been been in it for a long time. Um, Zach, do you ever watch football like all of like high level college football and think, damn, what the fuck is that play caller doing? 
Uh, at times, but on both sides, there's times where you see some cool shit. Lincoln Riley's, I think, one great example where they'll do some shit. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck was that? And then I'll go back after the game and watch watch the video and, and figure out what they're doing. They do so all the time, all the time I do. And it was shitty play calls, right? When they mm-hmm. call a play, you're like, what the fuck? You had no answer for if the safety spun down. Like it's just there's a lot of poor calls and poorly executed calls in in college football and in the NFL. I watch it in the NFL sometimes, and you're like. What, what what was your plan here? <laughs> like, it's like a man beater and they play zone and the quarterback doesn't know what to do because he's like, oh, we thought for sure it was man. It's like, you don't have a zone beater somewhere in this concept? What the fuck are we doing? I don't know if it was on this show or, or the other show. We talked about, you talked about Clemson, about sometimes they would just, like oh, when they invented the RPO and it's like, you would you asked them like, well, what about this? And they'd just be like, oh, well, we we actually never thought about that. So if yeah. we saw it, we just tried to yell Dodge Boyd. <laughs> It's crazy. There's, there's, I mean, there's some bad coaches at every level of football. There really is. Um, Zach, I want to flip a little bit to the NFL talk just for a quick sec. You have three receivers that you know really well, all first-round receivers. Um, I don't know how healthy Jameson Williams is going to be to start the, the beginning of the year. I think he's a freak. I'm really excited for him. But what do you expect from a guy like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson in year one in the NFL? Well, I think I think the reality is they're they're all in some tough situations. Um, Chris Olave is probably in the best situation with whoever the hell their quarterback is going to be, um, just because they have they have Mike Thomas. Um, I, that's going to help. Mm-hmm. But you know, you look at Garrett Wilson in New York, New York. I don't like. I have no confidence in that coaching staff in that offense. Honestly, in Zach Wilson, I thought he was a reach to go there. I don't know that he's an NFL quarterback. So I think they all three are capable of being really good receivers in their rookie year. I just think all three of them are in tough situations, and the situation matters more than the player a lot. Yeah. I think Chris Olave is in the best spot as well, not just about that. First of all, I think they could have the better quarterback play, um, depending on how, what Jameis we get, whether, you know, fuck it, someone's over there somewhere. Um, but he's the one that's not a clear-cut number one on his team. Like, Garrett Wilson is going there to be the number one. Like, that's super yeah. clear-cut. Um, with him – down in New Orleans in the Dome, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are going to be out on the field with him. So first of all, he's going to get two great mentors, like as oh. he kind of assimilates to the pro game, like two great mentors. And secondly, his skill set complements Michael Thomas's skill set so well. And Jarvis. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, and Jarvis. It's really three unique skill sets that are all complementary. I, I just love New Orleans and what they have going on. If they can just figure out their quarterback position, which is massive, but that's I mean it. that's I mean that's your perfect what X Y and slot. Yeah, I mean that's your that, that's your perfect three starting receivers, and then you add in Alvin Kamara, and it's like, good God, if they could just have a quarterback, this this mm-hmm. offense could be prolific. Can we just can we, can we just drop Justin Fields off there? Oh man, <laughs> can we please drop him off there? It'd be beautiful. Um, Zach, I want to keep talking NFL just quickly. The the guy that I that I'm excited to watch that kind of is no talk about, but it, I. Do you think he's going to end up being a workhorse? Do you think Kenneth Walker has what it takes to be a really good NFL back? I mean, he, he had it. Yeah. Seattle. Yeah. I think, I think he has, he's, he's such a Pete Carroll type of player. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He, he's not Marshawn Lynch. I'm not saying that, but he just belongs with Pete Carroll. Like when I, when I studied his film last year and watched him play at Michigan state, he looks like a Seahawks back. I think he's an absolutely, uh, he, I think he'll be great. I think he's going to have a great pro career you know, barring injury, which is, which is always the case, but I just, I love his vision. I love his burst. I love his, how physical he runs. I think he's elusive. I just think he's a, a great player. And so, yes, I think Pete Carroll got a, a, a diamond there. And I think 
honestly, Kenneth Walker got a diamond going to Pete Carroll because they'll they'll use him properly and they'll they'll employ him in a great way. I think Seattle's a really interesting spot for him. He definitely does feel like a Pete Carroll back. And it's funny because a lot of times you see college backs who are hyper-productive in college go to the NFL and they can't seem to figure it out. Maybe the skill set doesn't quite match as well or something goes wrong. A lot of times I attribute that to vision. Um, now, you're a guy that you've evaluated lots of positions. You've evaluated wide receivers coming out of high school. When you get a high school recruit and you evaluate them at the running back position, what are the, what are the traits you look for and how do they, how do they translate? Well, I mean, the first thing you want is you want to have explosiveness, right? If you don't, if you're not explosive, you can't play running back period. I mean, you, you can watch, you know, a big, a big, strong back that runs people over. Eventually that shit's going to fade, right? You're going to play big players on the other side that are not going to just get run over. So explosion is the first thing I, I, you have to have short area quickness, right? You have to have good feet and acceleration and you've got to be able to burst. That's first and foremost. And then you want to, then, then it comes into awareness and feel, right? Like how well, how, what, what's your vision? Like how aware are you of where other players are and what creases to hit? Cause that's the second thing, right? Can't, do you have a good feel for the game where you can hit creases and explode through them? And, and that, that's obviously the, the second most important thing. And then you got to have a physical nature to you. You're going to be asked to do pass pro. You're going to need to break arm tackles. But there are, there are different styles of backs. Some backs, Curtis Samuel was kind of a hybrid running back. And he could do, he could hold up and pass pro to an extent, but he wasn't going to run anybody over. Right. So, so then it comes down to individual playing style, but, th- but those first two are non-negotiable. You got to be tough mm, and you got to be tough. tough just to be a great football player. You got to be tough. Any position staying out West heading to Arizona where our guy is at Kyler Murray, $230 million, $230 million, clean five. Got to make more than Deshaun Watson, Zach, zero playoff wins. He has zero 4,000-yard passing seasons. He has zero 30 passing touchdown seasons and a career-losing record. Justify this to me. How is he worth $230 million? He's not worth that. He's not even close to worth that. But that is the going rate for quarterbacks. And if they weren't going to pay it, guess what? Someone else would because it you got to have a quarterback. And I think Kyler has a chance to be a good player. And nowadays in the NFL, just a chance at a great player – is worth two hundred thirty point five million dollars, and so it, it's it's the going rate for quarterbacks. Just like same reason why Christian Kirk got whatever he got in Jacksonville, ninety million or whatever it was. It's like what? <laughs> like, he ain't worth that. But that's just what it takes to sign that player now. Dude's getting paid. I, I guess it's funny because I, I think quarterbacks just hold French. Like you, you can't do anything because there's such a scarcity with quarterbacks. Oh yeah, um, I. I do wonder, though, if Kyler Murray bet on himself and waited one more year, the amount of money he could have got from that um, does definitely intrigue me. I mean, I think, like, when are we going to see a $300 million quarterback? I mean, these are now, like, like baseball contracts. Speaking of baseball contracts, you saw the Juan Soto, dude. He, he turned down the $440 million. Well, he, he, he's got kids to feed, right? <laughs> he's got a family to think about. Zach, if someone offered me four hundred guaranteed. I don't even want to know what you do, Chris, and no one else does either. I'd shave off both eyebrows. Both of them. <laughs> oh. um, our guy, our guy, Philip, uh, super chat. Does Dabo Sweeney, who's, oh, wait, Dabo Sweeney or Mike Gundy? Mike Gundy. Coach? I'm taking Mike me, Gundy. They feel the same. They're very similar. I think Mike Gundy's more of a real dude, though. I don't know. I think they're both bitches. I nah, I mean, Mike Gundy, 
he complained one time about a, a quarterback and he's a man and he's 40 and everyone can't get that sound clip out of their head. Dabo complains constantly. He's a nah. nonstop complainer. You're right. They both, they feel like the same coach. They feel like brothers. Like Mike <laughs> yeah, Dunn, he's like brothers. the older brother. That's like John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh. Like, yeah, John's a much better version Harbaugh. Yeah, that, that's fair. You think if you swap him, you think Clemson has a success? Mike Gundy at Clemson? No. It's tough. He doesn't He doesn't do the church stuff as much, and I think that's kind of how and it's, it comes, You know, it comes down to assistant coaches. People give too much credit to head coaches. Head coaches matter. They're the CEO. They set the culture. They and, and they're, I mean, obviously more important than just an assistant coach, but if you get a great staff of great assistants, you're going to be successful. And mm-hmm. so that's the head coach's most important job is who he hires. Yeah. That's what Nick Saban does better than anyone ever has. He hires big time coaches. And th- when they leave in two or three years, he hires another big time coach. Mm-hmm. I'd argue that Gundy was kind of stuck at a place because he kept identifying coaches early, Zach. Like Gundy, I mean, he, he identified Jim Knowles really early when he got him. That was a really, really good hire. And also yep. uh, Mike Yersich, who was the quarterback coach and OC when Justin Fields was at Ohio State. I mean, he identified those two guys really early. The issue is Oklahoma State wasn't willing to pay enough money to keep those guys there. At Clemson, the budget was so much bigger. They were able to keep Venables Mike, there Mike Yersich got run out of Columbus because Ryan had to do his job for him. Let's okay, not... well, Mike is still a good coach, though. You know that. I mean, I don't. I've never worked with him. But, you know, good coaches don't work at Ohio State. You have to be great. Okay, well, Mike Yersich is a better quarterback coach than whoever's at Clemson now. I'll tell you oh, that. I agree with that. Yeah, so it's yeah. like – so, so that, I mean, that guy was obviously too expensive for Oklahoma State is kind of the point of it. You just always have to be fucking right. You are right all the time. It's just annoying. It's like, damn, just let me just let me get it right. I know Yersich wasn't doing his job. <laughs> Yersich wasn't even – he wasn't recruiting Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud. He just thought they would just come. <laughs> and they did yeah. <laughs> no ryan they had to go get them and that's why they kind of yeah. had to had to exit him they had two cents asked what did you think of what do you think of justin fields well you i think justin. he's i, I think he's a great player his skill set's outstanding and you're never going to see anything he's capable of with the fucking chicago bears the way they are building shit and, and supporting him simple inter- as that it's interesting because i'm of the belief that um generational quarterbacks don't need a ton of help late Early, every quarterback in the NFL is they adjust to the speed of the game. You want to have some things that are pluses. Yeah. Um, you want to either have the O line as a plus or the wide receivers as a plus. Listen, if, you, if that kid had time to be a quarterback, he we don't even know what he'd be capable of. But I know his skill set is is superb. I mean, it is. He he should be a star in the NFL. He should. Mm-hmm. He just needs time to, to do it. Like his skill set is through the roof, and it's like as a young quarterback, like the, the just the things you need before you get paid, either an O line, or weapons, or creative play calling. And when you miss on all three, it's like holy shit, what are we doing? Especially you miss on all three after you invest so much to go get the kid. Like yeah. think about if you drop Pat Mahomes there. Like Pat Mahomes got dropped off with Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, and a good O line. Hell of a he deal. popped off. He popped off. Hell Guess of a what? Deal. That O line went away, took a took a slight step back. Now, now Tyreek Hill went away, took a slight step back. We'll see if he'll take a slight step back. He's Cream going Hunt. to. Yeah, exactly. But he's also had time to learn the NFL adjustment based yeah. on those things. Without the fact that Justin was dropped off with absolutely nothing is so criminal. And yeah. the fact that the Bears even now refuse to help him. I mean, the best they went and got him is the the Neil kid from fucking the Patriots. That's their number one receiver. That's their that's the savior. Yeah. And Travis Kelsey, good point on 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 uh, Pat Mahomes. It's like, 
Gee whiz. So I, I hate the Justin Fields as a bus talk, but I do like the Justin Fields hasn't come up with any excuses. I remember when Mark Sanchez was in was in um with, with the Jets, Zach, and right around the time where his career kind of ended, it was everybody else's fault. Like somebody made a, a freak play on defense on that interception. Somebody did this right. Somebody did this wrong. Someone was in the wrong place. And Mike Mark Sanchez never shut the fuck up. And that's what I love about Justin Fields. He will never, ever make any excuses, even when they're there in front of him. No, he won't. He, he's just going to keep his mouth shut and grind. And so I, that's why I think he has the personality to be a great NFL quarterback. I mean, we'll see if he learns the game at a high level and becomes one of the you know smarter quarterbacks in the NFL when it comes to football scheme and what to do with the ball. And and then eventually they're going to have to get a line for him. I mean, I, I, I get you don't have dynamic receivers. The quarterback can throw guys open, but he has to have time to throw guys open. Like it's just right now what you're watching is just a complete sacrifice of a great player. It really is. No facts. And you know, he, the mental aptitude test he took was the highest ever out of anyone. Well, I know he's it. smart enough. Yeah. I know he's smart enough, but he's, he's got to get taught and he's got to put in the work to develop mm-hmm. and, and to learn the game at, you know, Peyton Manning was brilliant. Yeah. Will he work to try to have that kind of grasp and understanding of, of the game? Interest game has a question about one of your former players. I was debating on whether I wanted to ask this or not. I'm going to ask it anyway. Dontre Wilson was the hot running back um, when I was in high school. Whatever happened to him, Zach? Well, he, I mean, he played early because he he had a different speed than than we really had at Ohio State, and then we recruited past him. And he had some injuries that hindered him, but he he was a guy that wouldn't do things you asked him to do. He wouldn't gain weight when he needed to gain weight. Like he never looked like a college football player. He was always skinny and small, and he never committed to eating 7,000 calories a day and training to, to get big and get strong and become a, a strong, big receiver. And uh, he, he had also had ball skill issues. He, he didn't catch the ball well, and he was not a guy that was putting in a ton of extra work like Terry McLaurin or Paris Campbell to improve ball skills. He just thought, I'm this great player that was at DeSoto and went off, and I'm a great player, and I'm going to go to the NFL. That ain't how it works. And the problem, the real problem is he was around guys that were doing it totally differently. Michael Thomas was working his fucking face off, right? He was around guys that were putting in the work. He just felt like he didn't need to. And so a lot of guys passed him by. Yeah, he That's got what passed happens by, in college football. by, 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 Jalen Marshall passed him by Jalen Marshall. Then Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel was a monster. Did you, did you think, did you want Curtis to be a wide receiver through and through? Or did oh, you think I, he had some running back? When I first saw him? his high school film, I said, that's fucking Percy Harvin. He needs to play receiver right now, but he wanted to play running back. So he started there. And then we eventually, he even wanted to move to, to receiver. Was that who Urban came in and said, I heard you're Percy Harvin, or was that Jalen Marshall? I don't know. I never heard that story. He said, you're not – he said, I heard you're supposed to be Percy Harvin. You're not fucking Percy Harvin or whatever, and he said he made him Oh, he said that to Jalen. Yeah, he said that to Jalen. But, no, Curtis, I mean, that was his whole recruiting pitch to Curtis. He showed him all the packages we had for Percy, how we utilized them, how that would, you know, carry over to utilizing Curtis, and a lot of stuff we did with Curtis at Ohio State. Facts. Facts. I fuck with it. Well, Zach, I don't have anything else left on the plate. Um, I do want to straight up ask you. I saw a comment up here. Would you ever go skydiving or consider going skydiving? I don't know, man. You don't know? I, it's something I probably want to do in my lifetime, but phew, that is fucking terrifying. Can we can we go together? No. Why? I I don't know if I'd ever do it, man. Jumping out of a fucking airplane. Heck, I, I've I, done I, it. And I went with my mom. I was terrified. Right. I was hung over. I cried actually. On the plane. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, listen, dude, there's dude. so many. There's so many ways to die in this world. 
And I, I'm not even one of those like, what if the shoot doesn't open? No, fuck that. What if I have a fucking heart attack because I'm mm-hmm. just jumped out of a fucking airplane? That's what would happen to me. I would die of a heart attack on a, jumping out of a plane. Bro, my mom got us skydiving passes off Groupon. <laughs> of all the things to get off Groupon, Groupon is for a fucking dinner, for a kid, for some kitchen supplies. She went to Groupon and said, son, we're going sky. I didn't even know they were off Groupon until we already got there. So oh, I did a, I did a show in the morning. Um, and I was feeling sick the whole way through. I drank a lot the night before because I thought I was going to die the next day. And my mom, you know, picks me up from 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 work. We go to this place. Zach, it's out in the middle of a fucking field. And there's oh, yeah. nothing there except for some Amish kids with popcorn sitting there watching. You go in the house, and there's a guy supposed to be training you, and he has like seven teeth missing. And he really doesn't really say much. He puts on the TV, and the TV thing basically says, we're not really going to train you because if something goes wrong. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Like if the if the shoot doesn't open, you're just you're just a goner. You're done. Yeah. I'm shook up. They walk us over, Zach. I'm thinking that the plane is at least going to have seats. No seats on that bitch. It's a it's a rickety old plane in a barn. I see the Amish kids looking at me like they're about to say, "I'm about to go see a black." There's a black one going to fly today. Two of them. <laughs> we get on the plane, bro. You know, the pilot's got a cutoff on. No teeth. Never. Talking like licking his gums, talking about it's only scary when the door opens. Like never, 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 in. never. It was it was terrible, and that was the first day I ever cussed to my mom, man. Because the door opens, the whole plane shakes like a horror film. Buddy got a purse that's just strapped to my back. We jump, and I play Call of Duty, so I'm thinking you're just gonna go down like straight like this. But when you jump out of a plane, Zach, you're like flipping all around, and I'm hung over. <laughs> So it was it was garbage. We got on the ground. First thing I heard my mom say was, "You want to go again?" Turn around, I said, "Fuck no." <laughs> but I'll go with you. I'll go with you, Zach. I no want to do with my mom. I'll go with you. No chance. Then that was the worst way to try to sell me on doing it. We'll get them. We won't get them off Groupon, bro. We'll go somewhere legit. <laughs> okay, I'm out, bro. Not doing it. But I appreciate everybody. Appreciate you, you entertaining us and allowing us to take over the Coach JB's. You hate me now. Love you. Love me later. Podcast show. YouTube channel, whatever you, you can hate me so, now and later. I'm just the intern. Yeah, just we don't have we'll never love Chris. Hate me now, hate me later for Chris. But appreciate everybody, man. Menace out.